It is 18 hours 30 East African time. Time for John C.B. Okumu on Wednesday. Hamjambo na karibuni. Hello and welcome. To vote or not to vote? That is the question. Whether it will be nobler in action to take up one's democratic right and head for the ballot box on the August the 9th, or to register one's disaffection with the status quo by resolving not to legitimize the electoral process by taking part in it. Now, the voter registration process has just been suspended countrywide. Before the last elections in 2017, the voters' register had 19,611,423 names on it. This time, the target was to add some 4.5 million voters to that number, but only 1.5 million people responded to the call, bringing the approximate total to 20 million voters out of an estimated population of 52 million. So, what hindrances have been placed before young people, the undoubted majority of our population, in their quest to become first-time voters? Or maybe they just couldn't be bothered. In this edition, we have two mystery to begin with guests who have attained the voting age of 18 since the last elections. I'd like us all first to hear some sample responses to the question, do you intend to vote or not? Je, utapigakura amala? So a lot of youths are not taking the opportunity to register as voters simply because uh, they think the government has failed them to an extent that uh, the development has not reached uh, the ground as they expected in the last five years. Yeah, how do we to participate in choosing a leader that deserves the post according to me? We have developed modalities on how to put our people in order so that they wake up in the morning and vote. I went to the polling station. When I reached there, my name is not in the register book. My name is not in the VVR. Personally, I feel that I've lost faith in the government, in the IEBC, because at the end of the day, I don't feel my vote will count. But I want to encourage youth that a vote is, is your strength, because it will give you a voice to determine who is going to be a political leader. Mr. Nampendwa, utapiga kura amala. Ndiyo, nitapiga kura. Kwa nini? Nijukumu langu. Kijana mpendwa, utapiga kura amala? La, sitapiga kura. Kwa nini? Demokrasia katika nchi yetu haiko, haijafika hicho kiwango ambacho inastahili ili niende nipige kura. Na itabidi tuende na tufikirie vile tutasuluisha hizi shida kabla tukapiga kura. Right, so I'll play your interpreter, my part-time job. Uh, the young lady says that uh, it's her responsibility, her obligation, and she's going to uh, take it up as a duty. Uh, the young man is saying that uh, there's so many things which are out of whack that before they're sort of sorted out, uh, we shouldn't go forward uh, before we go backward sort of thing. Is that a, is that a legitimate uh, kind of summary of what you said? I think so, yes. Right. Okay. So I'm, I think the way to begin is to go to Kijana Wangu and ask what's not in place that you would like to see in place. Thank you very much for your question. In my view, voting is a declaration and an acknowledgement that this system is working. And it's signing off that whatever you're participating in is free, fair and transparent. And it's an acknowledgement by the citizens at large that they are masters of their own destiny. Right now, in our current voting ecosystem, 
I don't believe that citizens of the Republic of Kenya are masters of their own destiny. And looking at the political history of this country regarding how elections are contested since the promulgation of the 2010 constitution, you find that no election has gone uncontested as regards to the results. And this shows that there's a systemic issue in regards to our political culture. And we need to reevaluate how we are looking at politics. And I think this is very fundamental and forms the crux of the issue. It doesn't make sense to move forward past this situation and vote before addressing these issues, before addressing the flaws of the system. Ms. Chana, what's your response to that? And how do you suggest we move forward? Because how is not voting helping? Who is it helping? To vote is to legitimize a system. When you go out and vote, you're saying that you believe in the system. However, in our current ecosystem, when we have seen that we have very dire situations that need to be resolved, I don't think somebody that's struggling to put a meal on the table for themselves and their children is at the right stage mentally to even think about who they're going to vote for. And I think that these issues need to be addressed from our political culture. And the way that we need to do this is by means such as civic education, as well as going and looking at the current um, discrepancies we have in our constitution and ensuring that they suit to accommodate all of us as a people. Because at this moment in time, I don't believe that there's a Republic of Kenya. What we have is tribal lands. Mm. And unless we overcome that, I don't think that we're going to vote and make a communal decision in which we all agree on the outcome. Ms. Chan, I'll ask you, uh, you know, you seem to be committed to the process. Therefore, for you, the glass seems to be half full rather than half empty. Why is it half full? Because I, I agree that there's a lot that needs to be changed in this country. There's a lot that, however, us, by doing nothing, we're not actually changing anything. If we could go and vote for people that we feel like could make a slight impact, it could, it could, it could help us in a very, very, very big way and impact the whole society by doing nothing and asking for civic education how is that going to be implemented when we haven't picked the government we want if we don't vote or if you don't vote other people will go and vote people like me will go and vote and they will pick the next government you will not be involved in the process because you never got your voters card so the people who are going to be involved in the government will will pick who who are going to be involved in the election will pick the new government and therefore, you haven't actually impacted any change. You have stayed silent. And therefore, you can't criticize what goes on in the, in the government later if you haven't actually made a stance on what you th- believe is right and what is wrong. You've asked for civil education, but you haven't pushed for anyone who can actually implement that. Well, l- let, me, let me go back because uh, I wouldn't like to have a sort of round one I'm, I'm 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 searching for your ideas rather than trying to take up each other's arguments i'd still go back to you Ms. Jan, and ask you have faith in the process of getting up in the morning on august the 9th and queuing to vote as a young voter for the first time in your life but based on what what is there that has given you hope based on what history or is this just like, oh gosh, it's my turn, you know, mum and dad have said I can go out to a date and come back at midnight, I'm going. But you don't know quite what's going to happen at, on the date. The reason I'm actually voting is because I believe that the people who want us not to vote, the person who's actually benefiting from us not voting are the people who are in government right now, the people we want to remove. If we stay quiet and do nothing, they will not move. They will say the same. By us not doing anything, we're not impacting the next government. And that's what they want. And I do not want them to get away with that. They will not continue to run this country the way they are. And I will not allow it. And that's why I'm going to vote. I I like, I'm still going to stay with you for a moment because you're talking as you, the one individual 
Msichana wangu mpendwa, you, your one vote alone is going to change a status quo which is self-defensive. Why do you feel that I won't want this? You know, I'm I'm walking out in this dark. Surely uh, you can't be that naive that your vote is going to change things. Because we're going to discuss the electoral process and what you remember of past elections, as was evoked earlier. What your faith is based on what? Your faith in the system. My faith in the system. Yeah, and and its ability to ch- self change with your vote as a help towards that change. I believe it will change because every vote does matter. I know, I know it's a very, very, very <laughs> um, overused statement or a very optimistic statement that your vote matters, but it actually does. In my opinion, I believe, even though you're not voting for the majority, you can still vote for a minority uh, group and still impact change because even though they get a certain number of votes, the more a minority gets votes, the majority therefore realizes that, hey, people are voting for this party due to this and this and this. You must be aware of the fact that a few hours ago, the IEBC has said that the 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 tick which says none of the above is to be removed. That's so, rubbish. So, so you can't you can't you you can't express your disaffection. Actually, that that is one of the most shallow things the IBC could have done, honestly, because the reason we're given the choice to have none of the above is to show our dissatisfaction with the candidates that have been put up, and I've talk to a lot of people and actually they're not voting because the candidates that have been produced are not to their standards whatsoever and therefore we should have that opportunity to 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 vote none of the above to show the statistics that so many Kenyans feel that the people who the parties have chosen to be certain MPs um leaders are inadequate right Kijan I've, I, I I'm sorry to have left you out for so long can I can I give you some time to respond to what you've heard since the very beginning of the program to include your responses to the Vox Pops. Yes. Tumesikiza wananchi wakitalamika kwamba wanasikia kwamba kura yao haina matokeo yote yayote. Na haya mama haya hayo malalamiko ni ya kikweli kwa sababu tulipata kwamba mwaka wa 2017 chama cha upinzani imeingia ndani ya serikali lakini wananchi bado hawajaona matokeo and the reason that we're not seeing any changes is because the system is fundamentally flawed and my proposition is rather than focusing on going to vote for individuals let's focus on ideas let's focus on democratic experimentalism asking ourselves how can we improve the system how can we ensure issues such as tribalism don't mar elections in this country and without doing that it does not really matter who you vote for because you'll be using the wrong tools for the right job you'll be using something that's not supposed to be used to achieve a desired outcome and ultimately you'll inevitably lead be led to failure so i don't think that going out to vote matters as much as focusing on the system because if you look at the major accomplishments of our country such as multipartism you'll find that such accomplishments were reached through the focus on the system not on individuals and unless we sit down and reflect and ask ourselves how can we move forward as a country and implement a system that works for us there's no way we're going right well i'm going to come back to you on that uh, maybe in another segment uh, and ask whether you've thought it through as to what we might do to arrive at this great nirvana Onwards, my guests on this program are two people, two young people who have the capacity to be first-time voters, and they have different views as to whether they should take up this challenge or not. So, 
I'm going to read to you a segment from our constitution, which is article number 86. And it says, at every election, the Independent Electoral and Boundaries Commission shall ensure that, A, whatever voting method is used, the system is simple, accurate, verifiable, secure, accountable, and transparent. B, the votes cast accounted, tabulated, and the results announced promptly by the presiding officer at each polling station. C, the results from the polling stations are openly and accurately collated and promptly announced by the returning officer. And D, appropriate structures and mechanisms to eliminate electoral malpractice are put in place, including the safekeeping of election materials. That's what our dear Constitution says. When you vote, can I ask you, you who are going and have every intention of voting, do you have a clear idea in your mind of what happens to your vote? And how do you respond from reading the papers in times past about rigging, corruption, electoral fraud? Do these words speak to you in any way as you head to the ballot on the 9th, Ms. Jana? They do. They do. They really do. I do believe that as Kenyans, we have seen a lot of this corruption and it's still going to continue. And I do believe that the people who are going to steal are still going to steal. I do believe that. That I will give you that. I'll give, oh, oh, I'll so give the non-voters that. Okay. So, uh, so despite this, but... I also vote. But I, I wanted to see when you're exercising your right, because you said you're going to stride out confidently into the morning light and vote. What is it that you wish to have to see happen this time? Because I, I'm, I'm giving you this appellation of first-time voter. This is the first time for you. What is your expectation after you've put your paper into the ballot box that it will happen properly? Do you know or you're just, it's a matter of you'll wait for the results? What do you think happens to your vote after you've voted? Well, I think it gets counted. I mean, I want to believe it gets counted. But does it really? Who knows? It's all speculation, actually. Oh, you think that... It's that, all speculation. So the in our, our history, maybe you might know, and you're quite at liberty to say you don't know, I think we were the first African nation to actually cancel an election. Yeah, uh, because uh, the, the relationship between the judiciary and mm -hmm. uh, they said no, do it again. Mm -hmm. So this time round, what are your expectations that you'll go through the same process? Well, I'm hoping. I'm being optimistic because I can't have a negative mindset. We can't try and build a country and expect change when we're just focusing on the negative. I mean, I won't dwell here and do nothing and sit down on my couch when I could get up and try and vote. I mean, do I believe that there is a possibility my vote will end up getting rigged or changed in the system? Yes, I do believe that there is a possibility. At the same time, I'm not 100% sure, so I'm not going to put all my eggs in one basket and say hell to, hell to that and no voting. I'll get up and go vote because I have some sort of faith in the country system. Kijana? Well, I think that Article 86 is premised on the belief of trust. And that shows that we already distrust each other as a people. The trust or the burden of trust or instilling trust in the electoral process can't be fully instilled in, upon the IEBC. That goes to society as a whole. Because longer the days where electricity cuts out at night, you wake up, and the candidate that was leading is certainly behind her now. But rigging can be done through other ways. For example, wrong transmission of results, um, threats of violence, etc., etc. So if we don't have that trust, then Article 86 is practically not even supposed to be a starting point. We're supposed to start from the system of, do we believe that this is going to be free and fair? Are we going to accept? You can't start anticipating the worst case scenario. And if you do, then it shows that there's something wrong and that needs to be resolved urgently. One of the things that we're hearing more and more for both of you 
is that if there is a representative person who is placed in a position of leadership, then a problem has been solved. That is to say that if we have, if we elect a woman mm. from a certain constituency, then all women have been thus empowered. If we now have you, Kijana, as the next governor of Nairobi, then our problems will be solved. But isn't that just uh, taking you and uh, sucking you into the vortex of the system so that you're no different from the rest? Do you young people have ideas of your own about how this country ought to be led? Or will you be content to be part of the system, so to speak? I'll start with you, Ms. Jana. You're asking if I will be content with the way the system no, is I, running? I'm asking you whether you'll be content to see somebody like you mm -hmm. and then everything is okay because there is a young person no. in the mix. No. It's not about if the person is like me. Right. It's about if their ideologies match what I need. Right. It's not about whether you look like me, you come from the same city as me, you're the same tribe as me. It's about whether what you want for this country aligns with what I want for this for this country. So when you hear when when let's let's be topical when you hear that the current argument is if we join up if group A with 2 million votes joins up with group B with half a million votes and group four with a quarter of a million votes, then it's all wrapped up. We have won the elections. The word ideology hasn't come into that equation. Mm. What is your feeling about this whole idea of the tyranny of numbers? Is this the way that Kenyan politics is going to operate ad infinitum? No, I, I believe that it does at this moment, it does. However, we also have numbers as a youth, people in my age that haven't gone out to vote. Um, if we could, we have numbers right now, and I think we should be using them instead of letting the people who are there that have numbers, that we don't want to elect the people that they are electing, have the freedom to do so. But everybody else has got their own sort of groupings. I haven't, maybe I'm not reading my papers enough, mm. but who are your leaders? And don't you need some since you've got such strident views on the topic? Don't you need your own leaders? Yeah. Kijan, leadership. And I'm going to add to the mix of this particular buffet, this idea, chapter six of our constitution, leaders of integrity. Uh, where are these leaders of integrity going to come from if we haven't arrived at them in 60 years? Asante yeah. sana mwalimu mm. na umetonyesha shida iko wapi because like you said today in Kenyan politics if you want to be president you need to know nitaenda kwa wakamba niongeleshe hivi nichukue kingpin u kingpin alafu niende central kenya alafu niende western niongeleshe hao ma kingpin alafu tukiungana tuingia state house and that's the problem Transitioning from that to merit-based voting is very difficult. And from my discussions with people, I've learned that there is the proposition of having something like a rotational presidency, having a system that steals the ammunition from that ethnicization. You see, this time around, we're going to rotate. This, only this tribe can be president. Next time around, only this tribe can be president. That's a proposition I've had. But going out and saying that you're going to work with the current system isn't going to get you anywhere because if you say it's going to be based off economic um, economic supplies or funds etc etc you find that in the history of this country certain communities have benefited way more than others in terms of dispersion of economic funds but young people I mean we're now talking about this whole idea of Kenyan solutions to Kenyan problems mm -hmm. the idea of the the great rebirth, the renaissance. How is this renaissance going to come to be when young people like yourselves aren't suggesting to us, normally the young are meant to know more than the old. So mm -hmm. you've just suggested the idea of, to me, the idea of sort of what happens in the United States, the idea of gerrymandering, changing electoral boundaries so that uh, if the Democrats are going to win here, if we do this, it's a very systematic way of counting so that it makes sure that those in power 
will change the boundaries in such fashion that they win. So we hear about people heading to the vote-rich mountain region. The vote-rich. I haven't heard a single article where there's been reference to the vote-poor region, which isn't worth visiting. <laughs> so if you're not vote-rich, why not expand in terms of numerical numbers just to take into consideration people on the ground? There are so many million people in Nairobi, and therefore Nairobi will be a constituent in itself. Nairobi is not Kikuyu. Nairobi is not Kamba. Mm -hmm. Busia is not Kikuyu. Mm -hmm. Busia is not Kamba. So why are people going to areas that are meant to be sort of like, you know, Old Western? We're now, we're now approaching Red Indian territory and we've got to beware because now we're in Kamba land. Do you feel like that when you're traveling through Kenya, that you're entering Luya land, that you're entering Pokot land? <laughs> have, have you felt that way? I'd like to know. No, I haven't. But let me make a slight clarification. When I say a rotational presidency, yes. what I mean is having a system where you limit or you place a caveat on the number or on um, the number of presidents that can go within a tribe. So, for example, this time round, it will be from this region. The next time, like that. And that's a way of stealing from the ethnicization. It's a bit, it's a bit like having, you know, Jamhuri Day or Madaraka Day celebrations. By the time we've exactly. got around the country, all of us will be dead. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's going to take a long time when oh, you've got 47 years. Yeah, so before we get around to having, I like this image of the El Molo president of Kenya. And so we have to think again. What are we thinking? What is going to get rid of this great scourge in our society I think that a solution towards this problem is other than um, changing the system to suit the current uh, issues that it's facing is civic education education is a very powerful tool if young people from the very onset are taught that these issues exist in our country and these issues have existed and have led to very disastrous outcomes however you do have the ability to change it and you do have the ability to go out there and change certain things within the system to accommodate for what you've seen. <laughs> that will be able to make it a conducive ecosystem to vote. Would you like to have the last word in this segment for a minute? Yeah, elections will happen regardless. The election will happen regardless of the numbers. We will still have an election. The civic education you're pushing for is what the new government should implement. And if you do nothing to control who comes in next, how are you expect how are you expecting to have such disastrous change for a civic education when you haven't elected anyone who is going to be promoting that? Why would they, the ones who are there right now, who are benefiting from this system, agree to to have civic education when they are targeting such areas that are tribal? tribal influenced and all that in order to get votes it beats the purpose well we'll be dangling on a question mark as we take a break Gosh, I must say I like that jingle. It's sort of like we shouldn't be talking, sort of get up and dance. But we must um, must continue. No booging just now. I, I wouldn't put out those embers. We hadn't quite finished in the last segment uh, about uh, we're looking now for solutions. Maybe we can explore this idea of solutions. Mm -hmm. uh, we can bring up buzzwords like tribalism. We can bring up words like corruption uh, okay, you have your different stances, you're kind of disaffected, don't bother, wait for another day, you're all psyched and ready to go. But could I ask you as young people, if I asked you, Mr. Anawangu, 
Are you a tribalist? No. Well, surely that's what you're going to say. <laughs> I'll tell you why that's the wrong answer in a way, because the idea is that you have an identity. You identify yourself as something. Mm -hmm. So that's the beginning of you note a difference about yourself. I agree. You agree. I agree. So it's a bit like asking somebody, you know, are you a racist? And you're you're never <laughs> going to catch anybody says, yeah, I'm a racist. I belong But to the National Front. Unlikely. <laughs> Tribalist um, implies that I favor my tribe to a certain degree more than any other, right? It does, and and you might also be exercised by the fact that mtuetu That makes it the idea of let's look at the topicality that the current thing is all around this issue of who should be the deputy president, and at the back of the thinking is that the president is sort of like going to, God forbid, drop dead within a period of five five years, and then we are constitutionally set up to take over. So in other words, the idea of you're looking ahead. So this mm -hmm. idea of one person will go, and you have that kumi kumi, this, you know, 10 years, uh, let's sign a memorandum of understanding. Do you young people feel really psyched by people who make a deal amongst themselves to rule you for the next 10 years? Well, I think uh, actually by me choosing not to vote, mm -hmm. that's more patriotic than choosing to vote for a system that doesn't work, firstly. And moving on, I think that what you've mentioned regarding the pros and cons of coalition governance are the exact issues that we need to be addressing right now. Because like you've said, the elite are going to come together and they're going to decide. We're going to have these two kingpins in State House and Karen or wherever. And as you've assumed, uh, if the man drops dead, this person will take over. But we, as the activators, have not gone out to, to actually ask ourselves in a deliberative process, okay, does this person have what's best for our country? Mm. Do they have the credentials to rule this country or to help in governance? I don't think they do. What are those credentials? For you, the young people, what are those credentials? What are you looking for? If, if you, I mean, there are these notions that we, we like to bandy around about encountering a person of integrity. Mm -hmm. uh, how many persons of integrity do you encounter on a daily basis? And based on what criteria? I'm I think asking. I'm one of them, Alia. Yeah, you are. I wouldn't say a lot, honestly. Human beings are very tricky, tricky, tricky individuals. I wouldn't think that... And let, me, let me be more definitive in my answer. You are saying, you let's talk in religious mm -hmm. terms, you want to have a person of faith. And a person of faith might go to the church or uh, three times a day. Mm -hmm. But is that person guaranteed not to strike a deal that divests you of your life's earnings because they've declared themselves to be a person of faith. How do you young people think about the people who are going to lead you without these sort of lovely labels that we're going to give them? People mm. of integrity. I'll just ask you the direct question. Kijana, how many people of integrity have you met in the last week and why? I think I've been very fortunate to interact with very many people of integrity. And and, and define that. Define that to you. <laughs> What do they do that that gave them this wonderful... Yeah. I've just met Uncle, you know, uh, whatever your uncle's called, <laughs> and uh, he's a, an uncle of integrity. I'd like to know, because I hear that all the time. It fascinates me. I think what constitutes integrity or what's at the very core of integrity is understanding that people are different and respecting people and their beliefs and if you operate with that norm I believe that you have integrity mm. because if you respect the taxpayers money and you respect the process they go through to make that money then I doubt that you seriously blatantly misuse it or uh, divest it in other activities that you meant you, that with you know respect meant young people <laughs> with respect you can't be that blinkered if you re we have people Uh, let's, we're not here to name names. This is about ideas, not individuals. Mm. But we do have leaders 
whose track record uh, contains criminal procedure and they're still presenting themselves to lead you in the next elections. And you're going to get up at nine o'clock and, and vote for one of them. Or you'll say, well, they're not in my constituency, so I'll give it a miss. What are you thinking about, I'm, I'm, about cleaning up the shop or the floor, whatever you wish to clean? I mean, by doing nothing, we're not doing anything, <laughs> basically. Yeah. But I do believe that we are so tired of having the exact same people over and over in this running for government. The same leaders over and over. I mean, Charity Tingila, we're recycling these people at this point. Sorry, we, uh, we've agreed that the rules of engagement, which we uh, established at the beginning, is that we're not naming names. Sorry. So you, you, I'm afraid you have to take that back. Otherwise, I take that back. Uh, otherwise, it's not my show anymore. <laughs> I want you to think. Uh, forget people. I want you to think as a young person. And, and you are eminently qualified to think. I'm asking you, how can we as a society put in place dispensations that give us better leadership? I'm, I'm, maybe you don't have the answer because we're here to discuss things over an hour and people have probably switched off by now because we're so boring, but we can continue <laughs> the conversation. Uh, where, where are they going to emerge from? Are you thinking about it as young, intelligent people? If you're not, then you will present yourselves to people on the ballot box and vote for the person that you want. Yeah, I believe we're thinking about it, but... I don't think certain procedures in this country are working as they should. For example, you said person X or Y might have a charge against them in court. But it's not a coincidence that when one person shifts parties or shifts um, in terms of the political ground, all of a sudden the state is coming down on them. I don't think that that's a coincidence. That shows that the standard we're using to judge integrity itself is flawed because if you shift from party X to Y and all of a sudden DCA is on your door because of a corruption scandal. Wasn't this corruption scandal also there when you're in party X? So why is it that it's become such a pressing concern now? Not that it shouldn't be a concern. The problem is why is it a concern now? I'm going to sort of um, uh, change tackle and, 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 and say maybe it's not all about the, the presidency, now that we have adopted a devolved system of government, there are other players. There are senators. Mm -hmm. no, there are governors at the top. There are senators. There are MCAs. Uh, when you trickle down theory, if you have the ideal president, will you, by rights, have the person who are going to lead your neck of the woods? Well, I think that cultural revolutions start from the bottom. And that's a fact. Because if you look at most countries, where they've managed to successfully change their culture into a more efficient culture, into a more productive culture, they all start from the top going down. However, the bottom man must also participate in that. Like many people say, we are the activators of the constitution. Without us going out and activating it, then we're doomed. However, if we do think that being complacent to the system and going out to vote is the way forward, I think that the future is very apocalyptic. So what do you suggest? What do you suggest we do? If we're not going to vote, what do you suggest we do? Going back to the idea of devolved government, we see that parties still play a very instrumental role. Mm -hmm. For example, in certain areas, or to certain voters, it doesn't matter who you are. The voter will go out knowing, I'm going to vote for this party on all positions. And that goes back to civic education, teaching people to systematically analyze and, how would and we categorically think, okay, is this person's ideas actually speaking to my issues as a Kenyan? And that's going to take a lot of work and a lot of investment from all of us. Uh, Mr. Janet, before, before you take over my role and ask all the questions, which is lovely, but gives me a little rest, I'm going to ask, I'm, I'm going to ask you again this segmentation. Isn't that the, the key word that we had? Uh, we've, we've got a president. We, we've sort of tried to deal with the ideal president. We've educated ourselves. Uh, uh, your MP, your senator, your MCA, how are you going to go about that? if they don't particularly belong to the party of your choice. 
Have you had any thoughts on that? Because they're the ones who are going to be looking after your life on the ground, mm-hmm. Mashinani, for the next five mm-hmm. years. Yeah. The president could just be sort of going on world tours and shaking hands, parading, mm-hmm. making the headlines. What about these other people? I feel like they're very important. I mean, they affect me as an individual much closer, and I would pick them over the party. So are you listening to them in the build-up to August? I definitely am. But I really am pushing for the none of the above agenda. Okay. Because I do believe that for for some of the people that we have put up as candidates... I have no confidence in as a person. As an individual, I do not think they should even be there. And therefore, I think I should be given the the right, the mandate to suggest that none of the above are supposed to be qualified and that should be registered, collected and published and published to the general public. Okay, I, I, again, um, there's lots to discuss too little time. The idea of the constitution as it stands and things that you should be should be an expectation. You are a female voice as we hear it. Uh, what about the idea that in all these years, the two-thirds gender rule hasn't really taken root over the last 10 years? Again, is that something that you think is a, is just fine? No. It might happen. So, so again, when you say none of the above... Will you say none of the above if there's a male candidate on your ballot? No, no, no. If 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 the male candidate aligns with what I want, I will pick the male candidate. If the female candidate aligns with what I want, I will pick the female candidate. There's some female candidates that are there, but honestly, no. <laughs> I think that the rationale behind having certain positions reserved for women and other members of society was right because there is an intrinsic value of seeing a woman in politics. Maybe Alia's daughter my day, um, someday might want to wake up and go into politics, but she sees no women in politics. She's not going to go into it. And more so in our current context where um, tribal links and tribal communities are very important. So coalition governance has helped that. However, I think that it does not make sense to mandate, to legally mandate um, the selectment, the select, the selection of uh, certain people in society to certain positions just because of things like gender. I think a more sustainable way of achieving this would be through civic education. I think it's time again to have um, our last break, and then we'll be back. <laughs> Thank you. Well, our listeners are either still with us or they've dozed off or switched to another channel, but um, let's do the last segment, and this is when we have the reveal. I would like to, for you to reveal yourselves by name, not necessarily by institution. <laughs> uh, we're not here to give free publicity every week, but by name and institution, who are you and what do you do? We'll start with Ms. Chana. I'm Ali Khan, Ali Muhammad Khan. Right. Well, we've heard that actually because we, <laughs> anybody who's listening, uh, I think, uh, I think this this Kijana has already referred to you as Alia, so we're not stupid. Okay, so you're Alia. I'm a student of law. Right. Mm-hmm. In in what uh, third, fifth, thousandth year are you about to finish? Um, going to second year. Right. So where are you from? I'm from Mombasa. Right. Uh, and coming from Mombasa, you're going to study the law here for so many years. Do you, as somebody from Mombasa, when you come to Nairobi, do you feel that Kenya is a sort of homogeneous uh, entity? And, uh, or do you feel Watuapani, uh, Watuabara, even here you're experiencing differences 
of culture and nationhood? Culture, obviously. The culture is vastly different in both areas. However, I don't think I could say, like, they're not Kenyan or Mombasa. It's a completely different area. Okay. I would say we're all still Kenyan. Who are you, Kijan? My name is Kitonga Mulandi. Right. And I'm from Nairobi. Right. And I'm a second-year student of law. Right. Yeah. So you're both, uh, I think that was part of our, our, our culling process. I mean, uh, we hadn't met until about however many years, <laughs> not days. Uh, it's, uh, our true love goes back to um, a couple of days. I'd like to ask you, given what we've discussed, because obviously you knew what you're on about, I do believe that constitutional law is part of the first-year syllabus. Yes, it is. Yes. So you, you, this is something that you've unpacked. Yes. <laughs> Would you be so bold as to uh, the, the constitutional... Do you have any critiques of any segment of our constitution where you've discussed it in the classroom and you think it isn't tight enough and might do better to solve some of the issues that we've been addressing? Yes, we do. So looking back at our classes, one major critique that has been present throughout most of our classes is that our constitution isn't really fully catered to suit our needs as Kenyans. Because you'll find that most of the times we have a sort of copy-paste culture in law. So for example, if it's a Companies Act, it's copy-paste from UK, you just change a few things. And for mm -hmm. us, our constitution, many scholars and many, and many, very many individuals have also said that it is a copy-paste of South Africa. It's not contextualized to suit us as a people. So looking forward, you're, you're, you know, so many people uh, have died, shed their blood to arrive at the constitution that we now have. You're all for a process in the coming years to change it, to have more clauses, to give it a complete revamp. It's not responding to our needs. Would you go as far as that or would you say we should uh, honor the provisions that it has to the letter and because we haven't even done that yet in the last 10 years exactly. uh, and then go forward but you see the law is supposed to serve the people and not vice versa if that's not the case then we need to go back and reflect and ask ourselves okay we fought for this we've tabled it However, some things may be working, some things may not be working. Right. Very quickly, is there one thing that you would not copy-paste? Because you've been studying it. I haven't. Is there one thing that you would not copy-paste, whether it's got to do with elections, the election of the presidents? Is there something where... Because there are different democracies out there. We're not copy-pasting our democracy. It's germane to Kenya. Yeah. I think one thing that I would specifically change is the number of positions that we have. As in? As in the way we have um, very many positions such as MCAs, etc., yeah. etc. Right. Why can't one individual cater for such needs? Okay. Alia, have you given this great thought? What would you change or wish to revise in our constitution? I haven't given it much thought. Okay. Fair enough. Then I'll ask you again about yourselves in this self-revelation segment. Given what you've said... And but I do want to say something. Oh, do? I don't think the Constitution on its own is the problem. I think it's the fact that we have made it a pattern to disobey the Constitution and what it says. Um, leaders are blatantly disobeying court orders and all that, and it's like you're calling judges activists for doing exactly what the people want, what the people said they must do. It's counter, counteractive, and I don't think it's the Constitution that we should be focusing on. It's the people that we elect that are supposed to be embodying the Constitution with their actions. However, they're not. Mwalimu, do. I have a question do. that I've been pondering over. Mm. Don't well, put it to me because I don't know the answer. But uh, go do uh, put it to the, to our listeners. What is the, put it to our listeners? Yes. What is the question? We don't have that much time. What happens when informal law or informal culture is more compelling than formal law? 
by, can you by which you mean by which i mean what Cit- yeah citizens arrests and everything is informal law taking the law into your own hands going and beating up the next door neighbor because they've done something nasty to the neighbor's daughter is that what you're calling informal law well i wouldn't put it like that exactly i'll talk about certain traditions certain practices what happens when they're banned by the law however members of a community believe that they're right right can you condemn them if they break the law and i don't think that you can because each of us has our own past has our own determinism that's made us who we are and i don't think it's fair to say that we should serve out everything in the constitution even though it doesn't um cater mm. for our needs i would like to ask you again because we're talking about integrity and all these issues that are close to your hearts what made you individually decide to become lawyers ultimately to make lots of money and drive mercedes benz <laughs> and live in the leafy suburbs of nairobi or there are the boxes you could tick i personally decided to do law to be different to look for to be different from the average lawyer cuz i feel like the market that we're presenting as lawyers is very mediocre to say the least um i think okay but we we unpack every single statement is to be unpacked <laughs> so you study something mm-hmm. you're a brilliant lawyer because you pass all your exams Mm-hmm. at at what point do you feel that the the profession lets you down by example from others because we all have our brilliant lawyers who we read about all in the papers every day don't you want to become like one of them mhm so what how are you going to be different don't you want to be brilliant too in your own way mentioned in the same breath as mhm hmm. i do want to be different but i think i do want to be honest with my clients more i want to be able to take cases that speak to me individually and stand for things that matter more of an we could say an activist standpoint right so you're going to live the um <laughs> rather edgy life of an yeah. activist okay um right okay um how about you kitonga there's a why saying, did you become a lawyer there is a saying that law is concentrated politics and i think the law is very important will governing social conventions will setting the standard for how people are to interact what they are supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do and i think that diving into that field and showing that there's more than one way of looking at things is what inspired me to be a lawyer right and do we have in our midst people a person with political ambitions not here i do you do have political ambitions mm-hmm. and uh, we have some still some minutes we've got about um we've got time for one more question is that there is always this expectation that we might go back into the past and relive instances in our lives like 2007 um, post election violence do you as young people despite your varying views do you fear a repeat of the past or have we matured the question of maturity have we matured as an electoral nation i don't think we've matured i don't think we've matured oh so you fear the worst <laughs> prepare for the worst ah how are you going to do that by uh, seriously if, if if you're saying what you're saying I think that there's a cultural problem like I've previously stated. Mm-hmm. And until we solve the cultural problem about how we understand politics in this country, then we're always at a risk of repeating our past mistakes. Because looking at 2013, 2017, all of them have been contested elections. So I think it's a reasonable inference that there's going to be a contested election is as regards to the results for this year i find it somewhat strange that in your utterances today when we had those statistics at the beginning that you haven't looked back to the 32 million kenyans that weren't accounted for in our statistics <laughs> 
And this is the idea of Kenyans who don't have your level of expectation, who don't have your level of hope. Uh, is there a solution that can be provided by the constitution and the electoral process to stem the divide between the so-called haves and the have-nots? Again, if you've thought about it, I don't want to induce you into thinking that's you know first time, but there is a gap. There is a gap between whoever works for you and yourself, the kind of life, the kind of food, the kind of travel, mm. uh, and it seems to be growing bigger and bigger. Do you have any thoughts on that very quickly? Yes, I do. Looking at where democracy originated from in ancient Athens, you find that individuals and citizens were paid to go for public gatherings where they actually made decisions on public policy. So without directly... But they had little populations, you know, Athens, <laughs> a city of a thousand people. We've got as a country of 52 million. Well, what's so, MCA doing? Right. If that's not his job, he should go out and ask the people about what they actually need because the longer these people make careers out of politics, the longer they get detached from the actual needs of the people. Right. So um, I'm looking closely at my watch and um, my clock, rather, and both. We've actually got four minutes left. So um, onwards, onwards, say something of value, uh, something that you wanted to say that I didn't lead you to say. It doesn't have any consequential. Is there something that you've left out? That you say, oh, I wish I'd said that. <laughs> yeah, I, you haven't mentioned. Yeah. I do think that judicial review needs to be looked at again in the Constitution. Right. Yeah. I need the executive to just mind their business honestly and do what they're supposed to mm. and stop budging into matches that they have been told straight do not do this it is unconstitutional yet they feel like they <laughs> they rule the world it's not a dict dictatorship it's okay. a democracy right and uh, okay so who again well spoken uh, i can't disagree with you uh but it's always this idea of having a wish and then actually carrying it out. Um, what do you think? About uh, the judiciary yeah, well, the and the judici executive yeah, yeah, and right. interactions. Yeah, the arms of government, the executive, the legislature, all these. The yeah. And the idea that one sort of hands it down to the other. Does that irk you in any way or you're quite happy with it? I'm fine with the arms of government keeping each other in checks and balances. However... The problem is when you have a judiciary that lacks principles, a judge that lacks principles going ahead to determine that a, an action is unconstitutional. The only weapon that a judge possesses is their integrity. Without that, right. I don't think they have the right to go out and say, this action is wrong, this action is right, this is how we should be operating. That falls back now to the man at the top. So we are expecting a more in visionary presidency and deputy presidency no matter how it plays out in the next five years would you agree with that statement yes i do agree but we need something to really shake up the system mm -hmm. and go into reflections as well and ask ourselves what has not worked since 2010 what can we improve what can we suit what can we change to suit our needs if we don't do that the man at the top is not that powerful to change the entire society. We are the activators. We need. So we to have to go. change ourselves. Yes, we do. So you're, you're d there's some responsibility that re devolves to the individual. Uh, your last word, uh, Alia, if you have one. Your vote matters, and I still believe your your vote counts. Whether you vote for who you vote, vote for the person who you know won't even win, but just make sure you vote. Make sure you vote. Make sure you, s you, you express your right and you give your voice out there because, because this is a democracy and it's high time we start acting like one. Right. Well, uh, let's end on a command. Thank you for listening. Do continue to give us feedback, hopefully positive and reassuring, on the Twitter handle at Capital FM Kenya or drop us a text or WhatsApp message on 0701-984-984. This is John Sibiokumu on Wednesday. Till next time.
just makes the music 